welcome back to Sit Down Startup Podcast. Hey Tara, do you have your cappuccino? I sure do, Pedro. I hope you have your latte. Listeners, ready for more inspiring stories from leaders in the startup space? Every week, our guests share their growth stories and how their customers played a crucial role in it. If you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, slide us a DM on Instagram and Twitter at SitDownStartup. In this episode, we have Lindsay Howell, CEO and founder of Dispatch Goods. Lindsay is an entrepreneur, activist, and member of the Reusable Revolution. She founded Dispatch Goods in 2019, and this startup partners with restaurants, businesses, and consumers to provide reusable container options for takeout and delivery food. I'm so excited this company exists and these options are becoming available. It's great to see startups stepping up to save our planet. To talk with Lindsay, we invited Zendesk Director of Social Impact and Sustainability, Todd Leonard. Both share a passion for our planet and for people. This is going to be a great conversation. Are you all ready? Let's sit down and start up. Well, Lindsay, I am super excited to tell your story um, to our sit down startup uh, audience. And but before we get started, you know, tell me a little bit, what is your favorite coffee drink? So I usually drink coffee black. The exception that I make is at Andy Town. I love their snowy plover, which is espresso, pellegrino and whipped cream. Pellegrino. Wow. All right. Well, I've never heard that. All right. So let's just jump right in. Um, I, like I said, I'm super excited to tell your story um, and I'm a big fan of Dispatch Goods. So why don't you start by telling us what inspired you to start Dispatch Goods as a company? Sure. So my my first career was actually in healthcare. I was a perfusionist, um, which means that I ran the heart-lung machine during open-heart surgery as a little-known profession. Um, but I had a lot of free time, uh, so I picked up surfing in my 20s uh, and started a surf bikini company. Um, and those two things took me to Hawaii, where I lived for a few years. Um, and uh, there was kind of a pivotal moment where uh, my husband and I were hiking to a remote surf break on Kauai. And as we got down to the beach, we noticed that the, ra- the sand looked like it was rainbow colored. Uh, and we picked up a handful of the sand and, and realized that it was microplastics. And that was pretty shocking. And for me, it solidified uh, my understanding that this was a source generation issue and not a littering issue. And uh, I immediately started to get involved with Surfrider Foundation in Hawaii. And they were launching a program called Ocean Friendly Restaurants. We were one of the pilot locations. And uh, I helped launch that program. It was really successful. I found that there was a consumer base that wanted to support restaurants that were more sustainable And that restaurants really wanted help in transitioning to better practices. But as the market shifted to more takeout, more delivery, the options that we were offering them were just different types of garbage. Um, Most of it was ending up landfilled. And so I started to kind of dream about what infrastructure needed to exist to support reuse, particularly for brick and mortars where it's difficult for them to solve this problem internally. Uh, And looking to The systems that had high adoption rates, like curbside recycling, even though it's relatively inefficient, um, as a a model that people have participated in or are familiar with, and and is there something that we could do that's similar to that in the reuse space? 
And so I applied to business school at Berkeley. It's actually the only place I applied because I figured that's where something like this would start. And, um, and I got to school and six months uh, into starting my MBA, I uh, began putting a team together and solidifying the idea on what uh, dispatch goods would be, which is essentially the reverse logistics of reuse. How do you, after a container is out in the world, how is it then collected, sorted, processed, dishwashed, and redistributed to partners? Great. Yes. And as a side note to our listeners, Zendesk actually was an early customer so that our employees could go out to local restaurants, get their food to go, uh, bring it back in a reusable container and then deposit it uh, in, a, in a bin there and dispatch good would, would take it and wash it and get it back to the restaurant. And we were super impressed by uh, the logistics that, that went behind it, but also to help us reduce the trash that comes from from eating out every day. So tell us what it was like, what what was it like for you to, to start this company? And, and as a founder, you know, what it was like as a female founder? Maybe what were some of the unique challenges, you know, with this with this particular business? So <laughs> um, I would say that my co-founder, Maya, who came from Caviar and DoorDash, she's uh, fearless. So she doesn't see fear. Uh, and I think that helps her move forward. I'm terrified all the time, but I feel like I'm brave. I face I face those fears. And so leaving the comfort of a career that was very, uh, had a big safety net. Uh, Perfusion is a, a great career that uh, is in highly in demand. Uh, so taking a step into this unknown was terrifying. Um, and then starting a kind of tech-enabled logistics company <laughs> um, was also terrifying. Um, so I think that the, the thing that nudged me is I was, uh, for the first year of business school, I actually did medical device sales um, to kind of pay for school. And I came home from a trip and um, my husband had made a website uh, that was called Dispatch uh, with the vision that I'd been pitching to him for years at this point. And at that point, it became real enough for me to feel like, okay, yeah, this is the vision. I think I could go and sell this to the world a little bit. Um, and so we started with a pre-accelerator at Berkeley uh, called STEP. Uh, it's kind of the step before launch, which helps you understand what needs to happen in order to get your very first product, your very uh, imperfect product to market. And um, at the end, there was a competition. And the week before, we had actually started, we'd started with coffee cups. We thought that that's where we wanted to start. But after doing a ton of user interviews, what we kept hearing is like, no, tackle food delivery and takeout. That's a way bigger pain point for consumers. So a week or two before the demo day, the, the pitch contest at the end, um, we decided that we were going to shift and go fully into takeout containers to start. And so I said, I, we're not going to be ready by that day. I would like to withdraw from the competition. And my classmate was like, Lindsay, that's crazy. This is a great opportunity. Just go up there and and, um, and, and try it. And so we did. And there was 86 teams and we actually won. So I feel like that feeling of never being ready doesn't leave you. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't put yourself out there. Because uh, good things happen when you start telling people about what you're doing, um, even though you never feel like your product is ready for market, you never feel like your idea is polished enough. Um, and so uh, luckily, I have a network of people that kept nudging me, my husband, a good friend uh, and classmate, and it was so necessary. And then once you've kind of opened yourself up to the world and said, I'm going to do this, 
now I'm like, I have too much maybe pride or something to back down. I'm like, okay, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And at that point, I had myself to hold hold accountable to. Yeah, that's great. And and uh, I mean, I can speak as a customer. We, we had been waiting for somebody to try to tackle this challenge. Um, and, uh, you know, so a good idea was, was all we wanted to hear. Um, but what do you think has made Dispatch Goods a logistics-heavy, you know, young company successful in its early stages? And what kind of advice would you give to other founders who may be in similar situations, something that, that you learned? I think so. One lesson I learned with my bikini company is that you shouldn't design a product for yourself. Um, that's exactly what I did with that company. And um, <laughs> there's like five people like me that wanted a bikini like me, as it turns out. Uh, a few more than that, but not that many more. Uh, because uh, if I listened to the cu- customers then, I would have designed a different product. And so this time around, I kind of did a 180 and said, I'm going to do incessant customer interviews to make sure we're constantly moving in the right direction. And so the logistics are the hard part. And I think no matter what direction we went, that was going to be the case. But at least we have enough uh, customer and consumer enthusiasm and understanding that uh, they're willing to weather the storm with us as things sometimes are clunky or, or, um, uh, um, uh, you know, not very polished. Um, And so I think that's how we had early success. If I'd gone with coffee cups, which I thought was the original best uh, entry point, I don't think we would have had the kind of success we had by listening to customers. And a lot of what they told us, we would sit and be like, that's going to be hard to do. Um, That's going to be difficult to implement figuring out how to tackle food delivery and integrate with DoorDash. But we felt like if that's what customers were telling us, eventually we would have enough consumer tailwind that the other companies, other players that needed to cooperate would cooperate. And so that's kind of, um, you know, I've done three or four customer interviews this week already. It's something that is not just pre-launch, but we have built into our culture for the entire um, kind of life of the company. Yeah, that's great. And transitions obviously into our our next section about the the customer's experience, which you've kind of answered to some degree. But tell me a little bit about, so you seem to have been really paying attention to you know, uh, evolving the customer experience throughout it to just keep getting better and better. But did you, did you start to set up any sort of processes for how you could continue to iterate on the customer's experience? And, and what advice do you have maybe for, for others about the importance of like that customer experience to, to really getting the right product or service out the door in the, in the first place? Yeah, I think that when, um, one you know, thing for us is not to have tunnel vision about this is the way we're going. And so we're not going to consider things that are outside of this tunnel um, because we've had to move outside of our tunnel multiple times already. Um, the other thing is every customer that schedules a collection with us gets a text afterwards that says, you know, for $20 off your next meal, will you sit down with one of our founders? And so we have a constant pipeline of customers that will do interviews with us. And that's built into our customer comms. And we're very like considerate about what our communications are with customers because we don't want to bombard them. So for that to be one of three texts that they receive from us was an important decision um, in order to, especially in these early stages where we're still, we're, you know, building the plane as we're flying. Um, uh, I think that we need to make sure that we're going in the, in the right direction. So however often you can get in front of customers, because even if we 
are asking a question a, a month ago, maybe we are deciding if we want circle or square containers. Now that question's answered. Inevitably, by next month, we have a new question we want to ask our customers. So just developing that 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 constant flow of uh, consumer feedback into your communication model, I think, is really important. That's great. All right. So let's move on to something a little bit more serious, um, which was you had built this wonderful business model, sold it to me, and I was 100% on board, um, as were other companies um, in the Bay Area when you launched. And then COVID hit. Um, and all our offices shut. And I remember being personally worried for you, even though I <laughs> don't know why, but I just care. Um, so it, it changed everything and, and you changed a lot as well. So tell us a little bit about how you went through that. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, with a few bottles of wine, certainly. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we had started by offering this service first to companies because it was really nice to create density. We would have the, all the restaurants near an office on board. The return bins were at the office and it was a really great way of getting a, a lot of customers really quickly. And so we were kind of, um, feeling on top of the world as this happened, uh, you know, within six months of us launching with Yelp headquarters, which was our initial partner, we were, we'd signed some really, you know, big names, uh, in the next few months. So we're dropping off bins in March <laughs> and then like a week later, it's everything is, is shut down. And I think maybe because of my healthcare background, um, I had dealt with some side of, of kind of, uh, respiratory viruses, um, and I had a suspicion that life was not going to go back until normal until we had a vaccine. So the rest of the team was like, it'll just be a few weeks. And I'm like, I don't think so. I think it's going to be much longer than that. Um, so immediately we did what we always do, which is talk to our customers and see how they felt about, uh, first of all, were reusable still safe in their mind? Um, we knew that they were. The science was pretty quickly supporting the fact that uh, that uh, just regular dishwashing uh, killed the virus and that it wasn't the um, main mode of transmission. But um, but we didn't know what consumer perception would be. Um, in a couple weeks, we found that people were like, oh, I hate all the waste I'm getting now that everything's getting delivered. So we felt pretty confident that reuse was still going to be a thing. Um but we weren't sure how we would be able to uh, build the density and um, like the um, fr order frequency quickly enough without bleeding money, which we were just about to launch fundraising um, after our great March successes. So we were left uh, with basically, you know, almost no customers and um, then uh, very little money. So, um, uh, Luckily, we had a great friend named Todd who <laughs> um, let us kind of experiment a little bit with uh, how delivery could work. Um, and Square Pie Guys was one of Zendesk's, you know, favorite restaurant partners. So we said, hey, Zendesk is, or is interested in ordering pizzas for some employees. Square Pie Guys, would you be willing in uh, packaging in our reusables and starting to test this system? And so Square Pie Guys uh, is an amazing restaurant that has like all the hustle of a startup um, and they love new ideas. And, and so they worked with us and we launched this first starting in basically cold food delivery where we would do the delivery because right then we didn't have a delivery partner um, and then the collection. And so we saw some success there. We 
added restaurants based on that model and we got some customers that were pretty excited. But the problem was that customers had to order pretty far in advance because we weren't capable of doing on-demand delivery. That's something that just wasn't our specialty. Um, and so we talked to customers and they said, we don't, we just want, we just want however we're ordering, but in reusables. And so, um, pretty quickly we figured that out and decided that we need to go into a model where we integrate directly into the takeout process and delivery process. So in August we relaunched so that you're ordering takeout from your restaurant or you're ordering delivery from DoorDash and you can get your food in reusables. And then we handle the collection component, which it goes perfectly into what we were doing before, which is collection, sorting, processing, dishwashing, redistribution. It's just now instead of going to campuses, um, in, in uh, large buildings, we're going to people's homes. Um, but it was, I was afraid that we were going to lose our team because I wasn't sure when anyone was going to get paid or if. Um, and uh, I thought that people would start looking for other work. Um, but everyone was like, this problem's bigger um, than it was before. There's been a, a 250 to 300% rise in single use packaging since the onset of the pandemic. So I felt like, um, when you have a team of people that are mission aligned, um, they just wanted to, to rise to the occasion. It's amazing. I mean, I, I, you know, I have a personal attachment to, to this work and I do hope all of our listeners, you know, look at their trash can the next time they order a big takeout delivery and just see all the stuff that just gets run away and, and don't be blind to the fact that they just just goes somewhere and I don't have to think about it. Um, we need uh, to scale this problem. You know, we need to scale this solution. And so really glad to hear you're pioneering this. But so tell us what's, what's next for Dispatch Goods. Where do you guys want to go from here? Yeah, so we're, we are excited to see the return of uh, the kind of um, corporate partners that we had before because it really helps um, employees get exposure to us first at the office and then they can, uh, you know, start to, translate those new practices of reuse at home. Um, but really, you know, what the big dream of Dispatch is, is that we create this infrastructure of reverse logistics for reuse. And not only will we solve this problem for restaurants, but that we can help enable reuse in other markets. Um, we've had the most bizarre companies reach out to see if we can solve their packaging problem. And right now we're strictly in food. Um, but we're excited about the day that it's just adding one more item to the collection process. Um, so that we can enable something that's circular because we cannot keep creating products to be used for 12 minutes and then tossed uh, forever. It's just that we're, that's never going to be a sustainable model, no matter what the material, the packaging material is made of. And I feel like um, consumers are starting to see that and businesses too. www.dispatchgoods.earth, right, is your website. Yeah, it's .com now. .com. All right. We are moving up. <laughs> um, well, that's great. And thank you for sharing all of that information. Um, Want to close on one question that we ask all of our uh, all of our founders. Um, so you're a customer as well of, of other products and services. Um, when you reach out for customer customer service, customer support, like what's your go to channel? Like, how do you like to interact with companies? Yeah, so it's something that doesn't need immediate attention. I like email, but if it's like, I need this problem solved right now, I pick up the phone. And maybe that's the sales rep in me. But uh, I uh, I like the, the optionality of both, I would say. All right, good.
Good, good to hear. Well, thank you again, Lindsay. Um, again, Dispatch Goods, wonderful company. Do some research. Everybody should be trying to champion this in your local markets wherever you can. And thank you so much for, for coming and talking to us today. Thanks for sitting down with us, Lindsay. It's incredible to listen to your journey and how you are building solutions that bring sustainability to the restaurant industry. Plus, we are both fans of surfing, another highlight for me. She also gave us a great lesson. Don't make products for yourself, make products for your customers. The hard learned lesson in her swimming suit company really helped that dispatch goods. I love how Lindsay followed her passion and bravely embarked on a major career change. I'm so impressed with her conviction. I also like how Dispatch Goods listen to their users to think bigger than coffee cups and go fully in the takeout containers to solve the heart of the problem. We can only grow our show with your support. Give us some love and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave a review. Stay safe and hungry.